You know what gets me really excited? I love seeing the kingdom of God grow. I love seeing people develop in their relationship with Jesus. I love seeing people get set free. It's amazing, and I love it. And I want to suggest to you this morning that we should prioritize growing the kingdom of God. Yeah? You agree with me? Amen? Because Jesus wants us to, and why wouldn't we want to share the good news? It's good news. As a church, we are in an exciting new season. Like, I am so pumped for this amazing time that we are in as a church. We have just arrived in a new location, new building, new name. God's doing something really, really great. This journey we have been on as a church has been significant. The change has been radical. And God's signature hand of favour has really been on it from the start. In this new season, I honestly believe that God's going to use us to reach heaps of people. Today, I want to share with you about how to reach these people well. How do we grow God's kingdom well? Today, I want to share with you about fighting the right fight. The fight, oh, well, a fight, is defined as a violent confrontation or struggle. It's a great definition. This fight is a fight because it is something that we can strive to achieve, but we will never truly complete it. We aren't going to finish it. It's only something that we can strive for, that we can fight for. The right fight is the fight to grow the kingdom of God. We can't finish growing the kingdom of God. There's no end to this battle until Jesus returns. If we want to fight the right fight well, growing the kingdom of God... Here are three fights that we really need to own. The first one is the fight to be holy. Quite a few years ago now, I was a leader on a youth camp. And on that camp, there were quite a few youth who were from really troubled backgrounds. There was one in particular that had a significant anger problem. It came more and more to the foreground as this camp moved on. And uh, eventually, uh, he blew up and lost it at another youth at the camp. I was actually able to have an amazing conversation with that youth. God gave me this great opportunity and I was able to share with him about how God supernaturally healed me of my temper when I was a youth. I was able to relate to this youth and build relationship with him without letting his anger get in the way because he was just me when I was younger. That conversation had a profound impact on that person and the rest of the camp for him was completely different. I was only able to reach that youth in that way because of what God had already dealt with in my life. God uses things that he has fixed in us to reach the lost. And the more that Jesus sets right in our life, the closer we draw in relationship with him and the closer we draw in relationship with him, the more things he brings up to fix. It's a cycle. When someone meets Jesus, more often than not, what they are experiencing of Jesus is actually in us. When I ask people why they came to Jesus, I often hear, because I wanted what they had. I wanted Jesus. 
If we aren't fighting to be holy, if we aren't dedicating ourselves to God, which is what it means to be holy, if we aren't doing that, if we aren't constantly trying to get closer and closer to Jesus, then how can we expect people to see Jesus in us? If we share Jesus, but the people we are sharing with can't see Jesus in us, then it's fake, or at the very least it comes across as fake. And this isn't something we need to do just so we can share Jesus with people. We should do it just for the sake of getting close to Jesus. It means constantly growing. Now, early on in Joshua's ministry in the Bible, when he was leading the people of Israel, his people sinned, what's new? Uh, Because if you've read the Old Testament, it, it gets a little bit repetitive in that regard. And... They had sinned and they had, what they had done is they would kept some artifacts that God had commanded that they give to him. After this had happened, Joshua sent some men out to battle and it was a sure victory. They were going to win this fight. They only sent a few thousand men. They had hundreds of thousands of men. They sent a few thousand to win this battle. They were going to win it. And they lost ridiculously and Joshua literally fell down on his face before God. And they were praying, him and the elders. I'll read to you what God says. Joshua chapter 7, verse 10. The Lord said to Joshua, Stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. Go, consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There are devoted things among you, Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. The issue for Joshua was simple. Don't pray about it. Don't shame yourself about it. Don't sit and do nothing about it. Fix it. If there is something that's preventing you from drawing closer to Jesus or stopping you from being effective for Jesus, it needs to be fixed and that means doing what's necessary to fix it. I say this with complete application to myself. This is a fight. And remember, a fight is defined as a violent confrontation or struggle. This isn't necessarily going to be easy, but it needs to be done. In my experience so far, I have found that there are two things that stop people, two main things that stop people from dealing with something that they need to deal with. Either people say that they can't deal with it or that they don't need to deal with it. First one, the church is for the equipping and the edification of the saints. That's what the Word of God says. If there is something that you need to deal with and you don't know how to deal with it alone, welcome to church. I love you. We love you. We are in the same boat and we were never meant to do anything alone. Gather people around you who can help you. If you don't know who those people are, then please be brave and ask. Second one. 
not needing to deal with it. This is every human being's natural state. I don't need to deal with this because there's nothing wrong with it. I came across an interesting passage in Judges the other day. There was a man named Micah, not the prophet, who had set up idols for himself. He was worshipping his own gods and he was doing all sorts. And you see, Micah was like a lot of people. There was this part of him that was telling himself that it was wrong and he wasn't confronting it. Instead, what he did was surround himself with people who made him feel better about it. He even ordained his own priest in a misguided attempt to seem pious to God. What he said in this passage really sums it up. Judges chapter 17 verse 13. And Micah said, Now I know that the Lord will be good to me since this Levite has become my priest. Spoiler alert, God's still not happy. It doesn't matter how many people or even priests said his behavior was fine, it still needed to be dealt with. If there is something you have been telling yourself is fine, I want to suggest that it's really worth asking the question, what if it isn't fine? And if it isn't, please, I'm speaking from experience, it is so worth getting set free from it. Fighting to be holy doesn't mean being perfect. It means being right with God and getting as close to him as we can. And as he brings things up, getting them dealt with, being set free, if we do that, our relationships with God can thrive. And when we share Jesus with people, they can see Jesus in the places where the sin was before. As a church, if we want to grow God's kingdom... This is something we need to strive to get right. Fight number two. We need to fight for the lost. This can't just be a few people or a few leaders. The world needs everyday, normal people to stand and take responsibility and not just for what's trendy. Because if the only injustices we fight are the fights that are trendy, then all we are doing is saying to the world, look how good we are. And that leaves a bad taste in everyone's mouths. Jesus didn't just fight the trendy fights. He fought the uncomfortable fights. He spent most of his time with the rejects of society and he was not popular in the mainstream for it. There's nothing wrong with being popular in the mainstream, but it shouldn't be the reason we help people and it should never influence who we help. The right fights most of the time are the ones that no one thanks you for publicly. And the right fights are the ones that we don't need to be thanked for doing. Being thanked is good, but you don't need it. The general consensus in our society is that there are a lot of wrongs that need to be righted. I agree with that statement. But you see, justice goes both ways. We call it justice, sometimes even karma, when someone gets rewarded for the hard work that they have done or when a wrong is made right. The flip side of that is that we often don't mind when someone goes to prison for the wrong that they have done, when someone gambles away all of their family's money or trades it all in the name of their drug addiction. We often don't have much sympathy for the destruction that it brings to their lives. We might think it's sad, but we might not have much sympathy. 
in that situation, what they are experiencing is right. It's correct. It's the way society tells us it should be. They have made their beds and now they are lying in it. But that is not what our attitudes are meant to be. Our attitude towards those people is not meant to be one of condemnation. Our heart is meant to go out to them. And it's so easy to think that they don't deserve that. I know! But that's not the way Jesus works. Culture says it is right. Jesus says that it is wrong. The first will be last and the last will be first. The kingdom of God belongs to people such as these. When we see an injustice, Jesus' response is do something about it. When we see something that is just, Jesus' response is still do something about it. Care for that person even though they don't deserve it. Jesus knows that I didn't deserve to be cared for. Karma has no place in the church because it operates on the principle that we get what we deserve and Jesus does not operate on that principle. Wrongs need to be righted and a lot of rights need to be flipped on their head. The issue here is that we like karma. The notion of that appeals to us, like a lot. Have you ever gone onto YouTube or Facebook or maybe Instagram and watched one of those instant karma compilations? Maybe. (laughs) Usually, usually if you haven't, usually they consist of something along the lines of someone does something wrong or mean and plays a prank on someone or something like that and it backfires. It's gold, it's hilarious and it's incredibly satisfying. If you want to find out what's beating in the hearts of society, look no further than the videos we are watching and the comments we are making. These videos are satisfying because it satisfies our notion that we get what we deserve. This is our same society which loves the idea of heaven and conveniently leaves out the idea of hell. People get what we deserve. No, we don't. In the kingdom of God, that notion is so wrong, it's ridiculous. Jesus' death on the cross lit a stick of dynamite under that. There is a reason that when we come to Jesus, there's usually tears involved. And it's because we come to Jesus broken with a good understanding that in that moment, we don't deserve to have a relationship with him. And yet he speaks to us gently and whispers, I love you, I died for you. There is no condemnation through Christ Jesus. In my name you are saved. There is no condemnation through Christ Jesus. What that means is that we don't get what we deserve. So why in the name of all that is holy do we judge people who walk through those doors? The right fight. I want to ask you a question. When we are trying to grow the kingdom of God, do we do that by reducing darkness or by spreading light? Now, you may say, but isn't that the same thing? No, it really isn't. We like to assume that reducing sin or trying to correct sin reduces darkness and therefore creates more light. But trying to get people to stop sinning when they are still in darkness is like trying to blow someone dry when they're in the pool. (laughs) 
We cannot spread light by fighting sin. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, in the heavenly realms. Our war is not against sin in the world. Our war is against the darkness that people are held down by and immersed in. And that isn't sin, it's the forces of evil. How do we fight that? You don't try and dry them off when they're in the pool. You take them out of the pool. How do we do that? Be Jesus to them. There is freedom, there is no condemnation, there is the love of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Our priority still isn't to remove the sin immediately after they are saved. That's a process that admittedly Jesus will use us in, but it happens over time. Just like when someone slowly air dries when they're outside of the pool. When experiencing the freedom of genuine relationship with Jesus Christ, the old human being begins to fall away. The only way to beat darkness is not to fight the darkness, it's to spread the light. And the only way to do that is to reach people who are lost by being Jesus to them. Now, you might not quite get what I'm trying to say, so I'm going to share a story with you now which I think it will communicate, which I think will communicate it really clearly. When I was serving as a youth pastor in another church, not ours, there was a girl, probably around 13 or 14 at the time. And this girl was pretty rough. She was from the community, but she was great. She came to a combined youth event with us, and to our great delight, she met Jesus and she started a relationship with him. Jessica and I were so excited. And shortly after that, this girl actually started coming to church, which if you didn't know, for a youth pastor, that's a big thing. For her to be pursuing God to the point that she actually wants to come to church, it was awesome. This girl was excited to be at church. Now, to understand this correctly, you need to know that this girl was from a pretty low socioeconomic background, and she didn't have many good clothes. This girl literally came dressed in her Sunday best. She picked the best clothes from her wardrobe to wear. She wore a dress and it was the best item of clothing that she had. You can just see her heart shining through in choosing that particular item of clothing. By choosing her best clothes, she was so keen. And then someone at church had a go at her for wearing inappropriate clothes to church. This person's sensibilities had been offended by her clothing choice because it showed cleavage and it was short. This girl isn't in church anymore. And as far as I know, she's not attending any church and she stopped coming to youth group after that as well. If I look angry, that's because I am. And I don't think I'm ever going to stop being angry about this. It's an amazing reminder to me of what's really important. It's not the length of someone's dress. In this next season, we are moving into 
as a church, if we are fighting the right fight, if we are fighting to be holy and we are fighting to reach the lost, then we need to be ready for the fact that there will be people who walk through these doors and they might be hungover, they might be prostitutes, they might be dressed inappropriately, whatever that means. They might have alcohol in their hands or any number of things and Jesus' priority is them. Jesus himself said he came to seek and save the lost, not the ones who were found. And it's going to be uncomfortable, but that's okay. We need to remember who we were before Jesus and remember that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we need to be Jesus to them. Jesus spent most of his time with prostitutes, tax collectors, literal rebels, and even in brothels. This brings me to the last fight. If we want to grow the kingdom of God, if we want, if, if we want to grow the kingdom of God, we need to fight to be holy, we want to fight for the lost, and we need to be willing to fight the uncomfortable fight. Digging deep into personal problems, sometimes airing them probably, publicly so that we can get help, that can make people uncomfortable and it's not always popular. Because what happens is people get convicted by it. By coming out and dealing with something you are struggling with, you are saying to other people who are doing it that they have sinned too. It's confronting and it's unpopular. Fighting to reach the lost, the lost don't fit inside our comfort bubble. They aren't going to fit our culture. They aren't going to speak the same way that we will. They might swear in church because it's just part of their vocabulary. And you know what? I'm going to be really wild here and say that that's okay. They are still welcome because I would rather that they were here and imperfect than that they remain lost. That's not always comfortable and people might get offended by it. All I'm going to say to address this, because I honestly believe that that story I shared should be enough, is this passage from Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We are called to the right fight growing the kingdom of God. And we can't do that effectively if we aren't fighting to be holy, fighting to reach the lost, and fighting the uncomfortable fight.